This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from the ACTAR series by Sarah J. Mass, as well as discussions surrounding domestic abuse and physical violence. Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today, we are talking about the book, the myth, the legend, the thing that started the idea for this podcast. We are, (laughs) of course, talking about A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass. And I can promise you that I will try to get through this episode without crying because of my stupid Libra moon. And they say astrology isn't real. I'm supposed to be a badass Capricorn. Why do I have feelings? This book brings out the feelings and it's fine. (laughs) We acknowledge and we move on. So before Jessica gets into her life altering story, because that is what this episode is going to be about. I thought it would be prudent just to give a little bit of background. So I, of course, read this series first and had been trying to get literally anyone to talk to about this. My husband knows all about it. (laughs) He has his own thoughts and opinions about all of the characters, but he was really tired of just kind of listening to me bitch about it. So I tried to get Jessica to read it. I tried to get other people to read it. And I got fucking stonewalled every single time. (laughs) Hey, you keep saying Faye is a hard sell. You can't blame us. As we said, Faye is really a hard sell. But damn, you you know that feeling when you know something will change someone's life, but they just don't do it? Oh, so like Reese. (laughs) That's a good point. So let's see. Let let me let me just kind of review about how how we got Jessica to read this. So I, I told Jessica that she should read it. It would change her life. Months go by. Years go by. Years. 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 Literal years go by. And then 2020 being what it is, us girlfriends, there was there's a few of us had a trip planned for August after quarantining for six months. We were all very safe. It was all a very safe situation. And Jess had started reading Akatar. I was like, okay, okay, whatever. You just you just have to finish Akatar before I see you in August so that we can talk about it. And that was her goal. I said, you don't you don't even have to get to Akamath yet. Just just finish Akatar and we'll go from there. In true educator form, she gave me a summer reading list. Basically, she even went out and got the books delivered to me. She made sure that I, there was I had no excuses to be prepared. Everyone works better with a goal in mind. So her goal <laughs> was to have at least one of them done by August. And she met that goal and surpassed it because by the time we all met up, she had started reading Akamath. And just take it away because this is all you. So I, I don't even know where to begin, but I guess it's been out for years. Laura has been trying to get me to read it. 
I think I've mentioned in the podcast before that I went through a pretty devastating breakup to me at that time. And I don't say it, I don't talk about it because I'm not over it. I talk about it because it, one, it was such a significant part of my life, but two, of how much I've grown since then. And in hindsight, when reading Akamath, there were a lot of Tamlin tendencies that were definitely the red flags that we'll talk about in our Akatar episode. And I don't want to completely hate on him, but maybe it was also seeing myself in Feyre in Akamath, especially when she starts saying, like, I'm thinking that I was lonely. I might have fallen for the first thing that showed me a hint of kindness and love and safety. But like Feyre, who I was at the beginning of that relationship and who I was at the end were two very different people. So like most people during the breakup process, my best friends trying to like get me into my spirits, like remember, like remind myself of this strong person that she knew that I was. And I'm just like, I'm sitting here thinking, how, how I can't even find myself. That's not even possible. And now you, you're going to try to tell me that a book about fairies is going to do this. It, it just wasn't happening. And she tried and tried. I mean, the books had been out for years. I had I'd visit her in Germany and she'd have maps on the wall. And now here we are in 2020 having a podcast because I, I completely spiraled. She was absolutely right, like all things Laura. And I I just, it really was that moving. And I, I just can't stop talking about it, basically. And it was the joke, oh, we should start a podcast. Sam thinks we should, Sam is Laura's husband. Uh, Sam thinks we should start one. I go, what, what would we talk about? And then it's just spiraled into everything that we love, which is everything we hope you all love. But I, I think that I needed that time away to grow as a person, to appreciate Akamath as an adult, as where I am mentally in my life. And not to discredit young adults who are reading this in their teens. I think you have a beautiful, wonderful relationship, as we all should, with this book. But I think as an adult, it hits so differently because of the lived experiences that we have had. And, you know, some of us aren't fortunate enough to have the quote-unquote perfect relationship. We have gone through toxic relationships. You do go through toxic tendencies. So, basically... I was wrong. I love this book. It's changed me. It's the best thing to come out of 2020. It's given me so much joy and so much hope. And it's given me a lot of pain in regards to book hangovers. But there's something so beautiful to know that you do have feelings. I know that's super cheesy. But it's honestly the best thing to come out of 2020, like the best new thing to come out of 2020 for me. How many copies of this book do you own? Oh, God. Okay. So I have the hard copy that Laura got me. Then I have the ebook, so I could always have it wherever I was. Then the audio, the paperback. <laughs> and the second I finished it, I was in a bidding war on eBay for a first edition signed copy. So five. <laughs> And I don't even want to talk about A Court of Silver Flames because I went into panic mode and I think we were up at six copies. I, actually, no, that's fair. I think, yeah, I think between us, we're going to have like 50. <laughs> there's there's just so many different options. You can get a book plate. You can get it personalized. You can get the this edition. You can get the orange edition. There's there's oh, just the tour edition. I, I mean, there's just a lot of options. I, I think there's just so much to be said. 
I, I don't know. I think it was the first time since my breakup that I was really like, holy shit, love can exist. I think I was hopeful for myself. And that was what was really nice because there was hope for romance in my own life. Because if a love like this existed, it didn't seem like it had to be for fairy tales. And I know you and I had discussed to go, men are ruined for me. Reese has ruined men. I'm never going to get married. And Laura's like, you're going to get married. And I'm going to give the most epic maid of honor speech talking about fairies. And it's going to be amazing. But that also brings me into the conversation of Reese is considered having, you know, people are like, oh, Reese has ruined men. It's having high standards. And then being a single female, people will say, oh, your standards are too high. Which, one, what's wrong with having high standards? But two, you have some people in the book talk community saying Reese isn't high standards. Reese is bare minimum. So that being said, why is it wrong to expect the bare minimum of people? If Reese is bare minimum, then do better people, you know, then then you can't turn around and say somebody has high standards. My high standards are your bare minimum. OK, that that makes absolute sense. If th- do better. So let me let me uh, set you right off, Jess. Reese knew the whole time. He fucking knew the whole time. I'm going to cry again. Why am I crying? I just, it's so, I mean, he probably mated with her when she was an embryo because he was dreaming about this, just this idea. He is so selfless and always, it was never about just his love for her. How many people really are with someone who sees them as their equal And I think that's such a – for somebody who's so career-driven like myself, you want somebody to be your equal. You want somebody to be your partner. And I think that's what's so special about mating bonds is that – well, this particular mating bond is that respect for the other person that you have in the relationship. And not every relationship has that. So you either learn that through your own lived experiences or you see other people, you want to emulate something that other people have. And fuck, man, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want this. If this is it, I'll be okay with being single the rest of my life if it's not this. Like, I'm, you know, that's my standard for myself. And when we're speaking on this, what we're actually talking about is the fact that Reese and Farah are obviously mates. But one of the last parts in Akatar, Reese stumbles and disappears. And we find out in Akamaf what exactly happened, but he realized the mating bond at that time. So everything that happens in A Court of Mist and Fury, he knows throughout everything that Farah is his mate. The whole time and the taunting and the teasing and the bantering and the sarcasm and her wanting to do well herself. I think that's so important. He, you know, he would tease, not even tease her. He'd make sure that she was reading, she was writing. He wasn't doing it for him. He was doing it for her. And there's a sense of ownership in that that Feyre gets to have in this book of understanding who she is. And you see that overarching theme of this sense of self and taking accountability and knowing what she had. Again, I know we've talked about this before, but what, what does Marseille say? She was like, 
don't let the hard days win, right? And I'm actually wearing my bookish box sweatpants right now for that. <laughs> don't let the hard days win. We're all going to have a hard, we're all going to have hard days. That's, that's an inevitability. But she still chose to, to do something with it. Some days, yeah, you're going to lay in bed. It sucks. But every day you wake up, you're making the choice to make up, to wake up. And I think that's just important too, because unfortunately, you know, days do get hard and it feels insufferable. But if, if waking up and just laying in bed is the best you can do, you still chose to do that. And I think that's a beautiful thing that you see through her depression and coming out of it and learning about herself and learning the powers that she wields. And she even talks about at one point, you know, she, yeah, she had powers from each one of the high lords that made her into her own power and it's nothing like the others. And that's, I think, seeing that develop and that growth is so important. You don't see that shit. In anything, in anything. And I I love it so much that I don't even need this to be made into a movie. I don't want it in a movie. This is its own topic we'll probably talk about in the wrap-ups of all the all the books so far. But it's this these lessons you don't see in a lot of things. Let's take a step back and let's talk about, broadly speaking, the beginning of this book. Because Feyre is quite obviously depressed and dealing with severe PTSD. And Tamlin also is, if not depressed, then dealing with his own PTSD. And there is a disconnect between the two of them. We can go back to Akawar with, you know, if you had just talked about it, then none of this would have happened. And you can say that here as well. If both of them had just spoken about what they were feeling, then maybe everything wouldn't have gone down the way that it did. We have also touched on Tamlin apologizers, and there is a point about Tamlin here that, do you want to make it, Jess? You can make it. Okay. There is an argument that, ugh, and it, ugh, God. <laughs> I'll give him his credit. Tamlin, ugh. Tamlin is is suffering from PTSD. We know this. We know this. Tamlin also has violent tendencies, and he is a protector. Feyre says that over and over again. And his inability to protect Feyre from dying really got to him. It really kind of fractured who he was as a person. And instead of communicating and dealing with that and kind of working things out with Feyre, he pulls into himself and unbeknownst to Farah at the time, he is trying to find a way to break the bond. Which I understand. I understand that he feels helpless and this is what he wants to do. That's why he keeps going off. But it goes back to communicate. You don't, you're just going off, not telling her, not letting her go with you. It's all about what he is allowing. He is not seeing Farah as a partner. He is seeing her as an object. Yes. And and you you can argue that he feels this fierce need to protect her and keep her cooped up in the house because he saw her die and he even though he knows that she has power and he's and he ignores that power, all he sees is her fragility because he watched her die. You know, her neck snapped and she's dead and 
that's that. So, but it's also really interesting. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. It's also really interesting that he's not her mate, and Reese went through the same thing, seeing his mate die under the same circumstances, and he's not feeling this way towards Farah. And that's an excellent point. Not only does Reese not feel this way about Farah, this this need to protect her, Reese is actively not involving himself in Farah's life. He knows that she is waking up in the middle of the night screaming and throwing up. He knows that Tamlin has had these violent tendencies and she's felt extreme fear. He's aware of all of that through the bond, but he has not acted on any of it and does not act on it until, of course, the wedding. And what happens at the wedding? Farah is having a panic attack she's she's looking at all the red flowers all she sees is the blood everybody's looking at her just like everybody was looking at her under the mountain and she realizes that she can't she can't go through with it she can't marry tamlin and she screams silently in her head for someone anyone to come and save her and then we get one of the best moments in the fucking book (gasps) hello farah darling that's and and that's that on that like from from there, it's a different book. From there, it is... From the top, make it drop. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that is what should be going through anybody's mind in that moment. Oh, yeah. And I think from that moment on, you can call it a, like a love story. You can call it a Hades Persephone because that's what the retelling is. But from the moment that he takes her to the night court right there, I mean, technically the night court, he takes her to the House of Wind, but it's a love story. And from then on, it is Farah realizing, I'm pretty sure she says this, uh, how big the world is and how she would have stayed in the spring court and would have not known the size of everything. And we speak a little bit about that in the Akawar episode where Lucian says, you know, we, we must have felt very small to you. When he's looking out at Valaris. But that's what it is. And uh, it's, it's a lot. It's just a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. And that's honestly, even when I finished the book, I, I was looking back at our text exchanges, remembering our phone call. And I said, I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't know how to feel. And you said, that's because it's not just an emotion, but it's all of them. And that's what this book is. That's how you wrap it up. It's how do you pinpoint one emotion when you're just all over the fucking place and you don't know which way to turn and you're so happy and you're scared and you're excited and you're anxious. And it's I don't remember the last time I was that overwhelmed reading a book. Maybe maybe Order of the Phoenix when Sirius dies. Mm. (laughs) That was probably the last time, which is forever ago. The first read. Yeah. I, I think you're kind of right on with that. And especially, and you, you spoke on it earlier, for us as women to to kind of go go through this, you're expecting one thing and you're getting something else. You're you're getting this wide open world of Valaris. You're getting all these characters. You're getting the inner circle. You're getting to know Reese. And he, there's a, a really subtle part 
When Pharaoh wants to go back to the spring court after the first time that she's there, she goes to the breakfast nook and Reese is already there and he's he's drinking something. And it is strongly implied that he's been up for a while, just like straight up drinking like whiskey or something because he's he's got to take her back. And he respects her enough to not try to convince her to stay, to freely take her back, even though he knows that she is his mate and he doesn't try to fight it. He He's fighting for her, but in a, in a way that's healthy, not in like a toxic masculine way. Like he's not, he's not punching Tamlin out. He's trying to show her that she could, he's not being a bro. He's yeah. Yeah. being a man. And there's such a difference. There's such a difference. Uh, he's respecting her choices and he, he doesn't even so when Tamlin locks Feyre in the house. Ugh. He for I mean political reasons or whatever, he can't go get her, but I think it speaks a lot to say that he sends more to go get her. So a- as much as he is rescuing her, more is. So it's like a female going to rescue another female in distress. So even then you can't say like he's a knight in shining armor going to to pick up the damsel because it's more it's a friend pulling another friend out and a female friend let's stress that because i think too often the media depicts female friendships as these catty things and i and i do like the shift that's happening where you're focusing on those strong female friendships and women empowering women and i love that and it's just it continues to strengthen their relationship of being who they are later in the book and in the series yeah and the the female friendship is i'm not gonna say not as strong in this book because it's it's new right you have to remember that this is the first time that she meets more it's the first time she meets amarin her sisters aren't there yet and more knows this whole time let's not forget yeah. at the you know we find out later in akamath that more knows that they're mated more knows she Reese didn't even say, hey, it's been 50 years. Good to see you. He had a complete mental breakdown and he had he couldn't do anything about it. That's the first thing he says to Moore, right? He um, yeah. he appears and I think he's on the floor and he just looks at her and she goes, she's my mate. That's the first thing he says to Moore. Moore's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> like, oh, so it's over? Yeah, like, oh, everything's good now. Where have you been? And holy crap, okay. Rando, rando girl. Good to see you. <laughs> and, and but then it's like he's she's been his mate the whole time. Like, even before that moment, like, he is who she was who he's been dreaming of. I'm going to start crying. And, he was her mate the whole time. He knew. And also, and I, I think it's important and, um, you know, we'll talk about this in Akatar. She painted the night sky on her, I think, dresser. And she, yeah. could, she could never really understand why. They were like sending, they were always meant for each other without knowing they were meant for each other before knowing each other. Uh, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> I'm fucking crying. I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. In, in, in case it hasn't been made clear, Jessica has started to cry. <laughs> We haven't it's even like gotten to- kitchen table. <laughs> well, Jessica, why don't you tell us about the kitchen table incident in August? 
And it's not chapter 55 kitchen table, y'all. Oh, my God. So No, that would be weird. <laughs> so, fucking, so we had our girls trip and and I was just at the kitchen table and I don't even was I you was what chapter was I in? It was it was after the it had to be after the family dinner because something clicked and I just started crying and I just started talking about Reese and I started talking about how much I love him and the type of person he is and the type of person that like I can see myself with. And I just started crying. (laughs) Laura starts laughing. She texts Sam. Sam's like, why did you break her? And our other two girlfriends walk into the kitchen and they go, what did I, what did I miss? What what is going on? And I'm just crying like happy tears. I'm crying happy tears. Let's not confuse this. I was just so overwhelmed with how much I was love in love with this fictional character that existed and just the person that he that Sarah had created and Laura then runs to her room walks out with a giant Reese shirt and I and that's what I think that was her moment she knew I didn't get this upset about Tamlin I wasn't like woo Tamlin especially after getting locked up he was the second he locked her in the spring court manor I was done. I go, you were a piece of shit. I understand that there's Tamlin sympathizers out there. I understand where you could be defending him, but you do that, you're done. One and done. And here I was crying at a kitchen table, completely changed, basically. And then everything else. And this was before, way before chapter 54. It was just this connection with a fictional character. But I, I, I can't, I know I cannot be the only one who is this hard eyes and emotionally impacted by this book. So, oh no, no, they're just the the prevalence of Akamath on TikTok tells us that there is a huge subset of the population that has been ruined by Reese. And, you know, that's a good thing because not only is he super hot and super powerful and super respectful, he also. And I think this speaks a lot to him as a character. He acknowledges several times that when people tell the story, he has cast himself as the villain. And he says that line about he's the dark lord that stole away the bride of spring. He knows how everyone will see him. Yeah, he is self-aware sometimes. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's self-aware in that. And then, you know, Farrah says later, like, I didn't tell him. The villain is the one who locks up the princess, but he's the one that let me out. And I just think that's really an important moment because not only did he let her out, but he let her do all the things that Tamlin told her that she couldn't. He let her train. And I say let. He gave her the opportunity, and it was her choice whether to do it or not. And I think that's a very important distinction because, as you said earlier, people were like, oh, well, you know, Reese, he does the bare minimum. He gives her choice. But I think that is diminishing the importance of choice. It's so important and it's not something that everybody gets. And he doesn't make her do anything. She can always say no. And she did say no to do, you know, a few things. And I think... Also, with, in regards to choice where people are arguing like, oh, she, he gave her a choice, it's bare minimum, then you know what? Us as women 
should expect the bare minimum. Why are we going to shit on other people for wanting the bare minimum? It's not ho- clearly you all are saying not you like general you. Um, <laughs> clearly people are saying, oh, that's the bare minimum. Then why aren't we expecting that? Why are we holding other people accountable for? wanting that so you want less than the bare minimum you think that's okay that's you nobody should tolerate that and here we are with fuck boys who are not even close to the bare minimum so there is a whole other i'm going back to tamlin apologizers saying that tamlin throughout this whole thing was working behind the scenes trying to free Feyre so that you know they could have this life together and in doing that the only way that he found that he could free favor was to go to the enemy, to go to Highburn, strike this deal so that Highburn could break the bond and they could, you know, run back to the spring court and be, I, I say happy in quotes, because even if that were the case, I don't think they would have ended up together. Well, then, okay, let's, let's bring that up. So they weren't even mated. Okay. So what would have happened in this world where, Tamlin and Feyre are together. They get married. They're in the spring court. And Tamlin does come across his mate. What the fuck then? I honestly think that Feyre would have started fucking Lucian at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, mean, I mean, the choices are limited anyway. And Lucian wouldn't have said no. Oh, yeah. No, not, not at all. Not at Lucian all. Lucian was all about Feyre. Yeah. So I... That's a really good point because they they say, you know, during the the tithe and before that, they're like, oh, the mating bond will snap into place. It'll snap into place. We're all just waiting for it to snap into place. And it would not have, even if Reese didn't show up, as you said. She was already, she was already mated. Yeah, she was already mated. So the, the mating bond wouldn't have snapped into place. And let, let's just throw it out there. They were such different people. They would have been fucking miserable. Like, they were already miserable, but it wouldn't have gotten any better. And I think that's something that Tamlin apologizers don't really think about. If you're in a shitty situation, it takes a lot to get out of that shitty situation. And they were so broken that it would have probably taken a long time. And it just would have, I'm going to say, corrupted everything else around them. Also, like, they never even made the effort. To make things better. Right. Like, yeah, the things were shitty. You can't just go about things in a bad way where they were and think, oh, it'll get better. While you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Right. Like, Tamlin was still telling her she couldn't do things. He was still not noticing that she couldn't look at and be around certain colors. He didn't even acknowledge when I... There's no way he didn't know that she kept getting up every night to throw up. Yeah, there's just no way. And Feyre does mention a few times that Tamlin is also waking up having nightmares and sometimes he doesn't come to bed and he's just pacing around the estate in his animal form or whatever. So they're both pretty broken. So honestly, is this is what happened the best outcome? Probably, you know, we still don't know if or who Tamlin's mate is. Do we care? I mean, not really. Uh, there's uh. hey we said it the last episode i don't need any more tamlin Mm-mm. fuck off don't care i do, you were no use to me i don't care about your character arc i don't care if you have one 
Bye. Next. Next. Give it. Daddy ass. Let's go. Oh, gosh. Daddy ass. So I think I think now would be a good time to talk about our favorite moments. So Jess, you 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 just you just take. I see that your tears have dried a bit. Yeah, we're L- good. Let's we're start good. them up again. Give, <laughs> give us your top five. Okay, number one, right out the gate. I'm going to say chapter fifty four slash fifty five. I put them. I lump them together because it is one chapter. Everybody focuses on chapter fifty five and quote and, and the quote spiciness, y'all. It is sweet. It is not as spicy as the Akathas scene, but I digress. Chapter 54, it means so much to me. That's where everything snaps into place for everybody. She realizes she does want a future with her with Reese, understanding that it is her choice. She doesn't want to live without him at that same moment. He comes and knocks on the door. He tells her about everything, how he's known the whole time. These were the reasons why he didn't tell her. He didn't want her to feel obligated to him. He wanted to have their friendship there first. And I love that they bring that up in War too, because he's like, yeah, I love being with you when they reunite. Like, yeah, I love being with you, but like, I missed my friend more after they, they had slept together. And I think that's so special. I mean, it's my favorite chapter in the book. Laura went to the Etsy shop, the bookish alphabet, and requested that they put chapter 54 on my... I can't... I, I, it's just so sweet. <laughs> um, So that's my standout moment. And of course, everything snapping together and them realizing that they are made for each other for this reason they understand that it's something so special and yes people can be mated but the bond that they have is just cassian even says an akafas your relationship is the shit people dream of it's this epic love story and you cannot tell me and even for me like you cannot tell me otherwise this is the best love story in i i've ever encountered if my love story is 50% 50% as I don't even want to say 50. I don't even want a love story if it's not this because then it's just a cop out and I'm settling and I re- I'm just at a place in my life. I refuse to settle. I I don't need it. I loved her going to the House of Wind, having family dinner, meeting everybody in the inner court. Everything about that scene, the rest are, aren't going to go in a specific order. I love that Amryn knows she just smells their mating bond. And Laura had to point that out to me. And I went back and I thought that was so exciting. Um, again, with the quote that she's just having, she's just growing in Valaris and in the night courts, realizing like, I probably would have fallen for anybody at that point in my life. And I think those are those those self-recognition of growth that she has in this book, which is also an overarching theme that I love as one of my top five moments is that that realization, using your power, using your sense of self, growing, pulling yourself up from, you know, out of dark spaces, but knowing that you have friends there who will be there if you need them. You have cheerleaders, but you also have to be your own cheerleader. And I think that's so special. I love everything in the summer court because, every again, things start clicking into place. She's starting to feel jealous. She doesn't like that Reese is kind of flirty flirting with uh, Tarquin's sister. Meanwhile, he know- again, the whole time, they're mated. They He knows they're mates. So this is just a show. And even in Chapter 54, when he goes, it was being in the summer court that I 
first had hope for us. And it's also when we get our famous quote to the people who look at the stars and wish and to the stars who listen to dreams that are I'm not gonna do this. I thought I was gonna make it through the episode. Um, and to the stars who listen and the dreams that are answered. I love that quote. I'm getting it framed. I have to order the art. I just have to pick out which art that I want. But I think it's so beautiful. And especially like for somebody who um where I work, um Laura had this beautiful quote on a card when I got my new job. It was um a dream is a wish your heart makes. And then it also goes, you know, you think of Disney and when you wish upon a star and that just kind of aligns with everything that, you know, just another star quote and something so celestial that's like out of your control. I, th- I think that's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm trying to, I didn't think I was going to cry again. Um, and then we'll like switch gears real quick to <laughs> the cabin and the court of nightmares because they're just they are those are they're very they are spicy and who doesn't love a a, a one bed trope it's like you know when it's where it's going the second one bed is there um but I also think it's important that that was when she wanted to be in a physical relationship with Reese and I remember telling you Laura that I felt bad for her because she did like him and she I think she felt as a female and she she made kind of throwaway comments regarding well it could just be physical and if you you kind of get groomed to tell a guy you don't want a relationship you don't want anything serious to try to get something out of it but again if they just communicated she would have known that they were mates he would have known she wants something more And didn't know that about each other because they weren't talking because nobody wanted to talk about the big freaking pink elephant in the room of, oh, we we love each other. This isn't just a like of sorts. Let me just jump in here real quick while I'm thinking about it. You're you're talking about the, the physical relationship and the not communicating and her throwaway comments. She does make a few comments throughout the book saying like, not a lot of time has passed she feels guilty you know she was with tamlin and then now she's with reese and what what does that make her what would people think about that because it's it she in her mind thinks it's it's a very quick jump and what she's actually saying is do these people think i'm this big slutty whore from you know being in this this epic relationship where I, i she like saved the world and then she dumps him and then all of a sudden she feels guilty for wanting to fuck reese first of all no because it's it's not society's business and secondly who doesn't want to fuck reese (laughs) fair fair okay i just wanted to make that point no absolutely and and the other part i was going to say is the court of nightmares and i think not only do i think it's just so hot i love the this role-playing aspect i don't i've never done it but I feel like it, it would be a lot of fun. And they were just, it, it It was, I loved the work of, it was its own type of foreplay, which was very sexy. And then I think I kind of covered everything. Chapter 54, House of Wind quote, Summer Court. Summer Court was just so fun. 
It's just like one giant party. And it's also sweet that she goes, you know, Tarquin, I could, she goes, you know, you're somebody I could love. I thought that was sweet, you know, and, and it established their relationship or, you know, the bromance that Tarquin and Reese, I, I think they will eventually have it if it's not already there or if it's not already implied. I also like the scene right after where, where Reese is just kind of bummed out. They have the blood rubies and then she's just like teasing him about the lingerie shop. I'm sorry. This girl, you want to try to be like your just friends. I don't tease my guy just friends with, oh, I'm going to go lingerie shopping. You want me to model it on for you to see if I should send to so-and-so? I do not do that to any guy friend. I will do that to somebody I like. Well, and he got right back at her, though, because he sent that image in her head of of them going into the shop and the women leaving and she's trying it on and so much so that she walks into a wall. But he's never made it out to be, oh, we're just friends, Feyre. Like, he's always let it be known that he had a thing for her. She was the one who was trying to do, oh, no, we're just friends. You're just a really good friend. <laughs> I feel like she tried to, like, cock block herself. <laughs> Well, and that probably speaks on her guilt, too, right? Yeah. About, about not wanting to acknowledge everything because of the society trapping of making her kind of feel like she's a whore from jumping between these men. I mean, that's its own thing. Those are your top five. You good? Yeah, I think I'm good. Uh, just, just for clarification, Jess has stopped crying a bit. <laughs> a bit? A bit? I don't for know. Now. We'll we'll see where it takes us. So let's jump to my top five. My top five are a little a little different, a little the same. Uh, my number one is the Court of Nightmares, just all of it, and the the sexy part of it, of course, but also the part that I love more than anything. There's actually two when Reese walks in and he doesn't have a damper on his power. It is she she says it's like. There's no end. There's no beginning. It's the earth and the mountains. It's all consuming. And like he he just like calmly walks in and he says bow and everyone just like drops and he leaves them there. So hot. It's so hot. It, yeah. So that that part of it. Also, let's preface this by saying like Laura has read that. I mean, again, years. I've only been able to read this once because clearly I can't even talk about it without crying. Um <laughs> And and I don't want – maybe I won't read it as often because I just don't want to lose the magic that happens when I think of this book. But Laura has read this a, a lot more times than I have. So there – some of the things I'm like, oh, that did happen or little little attention to detail that I might not have picked up before. <laughs> but that is uh, – that is every time. And – um, the, the, second, the second part of that would be when they're leaving the Court of Nightmares and – Moore's father calls Feyre a like a whore under his breath, and Reese just doesn't stand for it. He fucking snaps that bastard's arm in like three places, and he's like, you know, take him away. If he sees a healer, then I'm gonna fucking kill him. And he he just doesn't doesn't stand for it at all. Like no one disrespects his woman, and I love that. I I love that. And his mate, like she doesn't know it, but he knows that she's his mate. Yeah. And then, of course, you know he he's got her on on her on his lap. She's in that sexy dress. He's in all black. He's playing like the the wicked, you know, kind of king. And we we love that. We're we're all for that. So that that's my number one, just off the bat. Everything else is kind of like an offshoot of that. But my number two is, is I'm going off. I have a list in front of me, but I'm changing it. Um, 
My number two is something that I was thinking about uh, just when you were talking earlier. So my my number two favorite moment is a very subtle moment that kind of gets overlooked. But it's when Reese and Feyre are going to go to the prison. And Reese comes in and he kneels down and straps on the, I think they're like knife sheaths on her thighs. And he's like, you know, do you, do you like the look of me between your thighs, you know, kind of like tease her and everything. But later on, we find out that I've been seeing this on TikTok. I know where you're going with this. We we find out that he's got the the star and the mountain tattoos on his knees, which means that he will not kneel before anybody except his crown and his mate. So he is in his own subtle way telling Pharaoh that she is his mate very early on by kneeling in front of her. And I mean, that's just like super hot. It, it's super it, and it's very powerful and it sends a message even though she doesn't know what it is it it it's just it's just wonderful very very sexy very very sexy as that's number oh, two um, nice. i love i'm never getting married i just want to marry <laughs> <laughs> my my number three is the inn you know everybody loves a one bed trope um <laughs> you know it's it's very oh, it's very sexy uh it, i the reason that I really like this scene is that he, Reese, makes it very clear that the fooling around that they're doing is not to sexually satisfy him. Uh, he gets no release from this. He, she tries, and he says, "Yeah, he's like, no. he, he says he says no." Um, and he goes on to say, "Like there isn't enough room for me to bed you here, and you know, the, your orgasm mountains, you know, whatever." <laughs> That that's his own thing. Here, it, it's all about Feyre's pleasure, and he doesn't do anything until she gives, you know, consent. And that, I mean, that's a very important thing. But I, I really like that it isn't about him. And and he says later on, and I'm going to move into it into chapter fifty four, where he would take any scrap that she gives him so he says oh oh jess is gonna go jess is crying i'm good i'm good i'm good um so in in the chapter 54 kind of confession which is really one of the only times where we get reese's perspective on things reese says you know in in that moment I would take any bit of you that you offered me. If if all you wanted to do was just fuck around, then I would take that because that is what you're giving me freely. Um, if you wanted more, then I would be grateful, but I'm not going to push you for it. And that is, I think, the importance of of the inn. Like, yes, it's very sexy, you know, da 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 da. But I think I think that that part of it, just him getting just a little bit of her is very sad and it's also sad and it's raw i think i feel and i love that it's portrayed here from a from a male's perspective feeling this because so often it's the women who are portrayed that oh you know we're the ones who will do anything and i'm not saying that we aren't we do we absolutely do but how often do you see that it's the male characters who are driven to this point yeah yeah 
I lost track. What number is that? I don't know what number that is. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. We're just going to list them off. Can I just say this whole book is my favorite thing? Because I don't even, because you keep bringing up good ones. I go, oh, that one's good too. That one was really good too. So I'm not sure if that was three or four, but um, I'll just say that the wedding interruption is is just a wonderful thing. But the my one of my favorite things, the one that I'm going to end with, is the confrontation between Farah and Lucian towards the end. So after, like after, I'm pretty sure that's after the not no before not, the end. Yeah, they go to the end after. Yeah, you're talking about the snow scene. I'm talking about when Lucian finds Farah and she winnows. No, he tries to take her. Right. And yeah. she winnows. She winnows away from him. That's when and cuz they talk about how he goes to grab her and that's the first like the second time she had winnows. The second. The okay. Time. Yeah. So so when Lucian and and the other guys are like tracking her and and Reese isn't isn't there. He he's he's away cuz they were like training and like doing stuff. And Lucian sees Feyre and he's like, Feyre, like, come home. You know, what are you doing? What has he done to you? And Feyre's like, look, I I sent a fucking letter. Like, why are you here? What are you doing? I I thought, and, you know, maybe naively, I thought that that letter was enough. I thought that you would let me go. Like, I made my choice. And and Lucian says, and, you know, I kind of feel for Lucian here. He's like, you don't know how bad it's been kind of alluding to not only has Tamlin gone off the deep end, but he is actively seeking an alliance with, with the enemy, which, you know, is not really mentioned yet in a, in a, in a big context at this part of the story. But he's like, you know, you come, come home, come home. And Farrah's just like, no. And then she shapeshifts and with, and this is what's really beautiful. Using Tamlin's shapeshifting ability, she produces wings and then, you know, Lucian is horrified and he's like, what, you know, what did he do to you? And she says that quote with, I think it's like Nietzsche, but she's like, um, you know, when you stare into the abyss long enough, it starts to stare back. She tried to play the bad guy, too, just yeah. to get him away. I yeah, it. It, and it's good. And then Reese, you know, shows up and he doesn't have his wings because we know we don't he doesn't show them. And um, th- there's there's that whole situation. But but I really love I love that because Farah. It's the first time that Farah is confronted by someone from the spring court coming to get her. And she stands up for herself and she says, no, I want this. I'm choosing this. And she's communicating her wishes by saying no. And and I think that's really important. And that it kind of gets overlooked by the spiciness right. of of their love story or whatever. But she's making a choice. And also in regards to the choice... And standing up for herself, I also think of the scene when Valaris is being attacked and Reese is like, where are you? Where are you? And she literally shuts him out of the bond so she can do what she needs to do and attack the Adder to fight the city that her home. This is the first time that she has a home. She's lived in places, but as many people can attest to, you can live in a lot of different places. That doesn't mean that that feels like your home. And she was fighting tooth and nail and she did not need distractions and she was doing without permission without question she knew what needed to be done and that just it's just another thing what i love about the book is the overarching like sense of self that she's she's growing with throughout the throughout the book 
And that really reinforces the other trope that we really love, which is the found family trope, which is very strong in this book, because let's remember her sisters are not with her. You know, there's the whole other plot more and Cassian and as and Amran and Reese have become her family. And by the battle of, of Valaris, um, she she's defending her home. She's defending her family. She's fighting with them. And we find that is just really lovely. And it, it makes me think, it makes me think we have something that isn't talked about a lot that I saw on TikTok recently. And Jess, I'm looking at your notes at, for the end of this episode and, and I see this set me off. Um, let's talk about the letter that Reese writes to the Queens. I feel like that is something that isn't talked about a lot. And I saw it on a TikTok and he is saying in this letter that he writes to the Queen, like my mate was human and, you know, she means everything to me and I respect her. I respect her people. And he's just pouring his heart out. Ah, uh, fucking whores. I hate all yeah, of them. Oh, they're Stupid awful. Queens. They're just so awful and just, just ugh, miserable. But yeah, and I mean, th- think about that. This The second time that Reese and Feyre go to meet the queens, they're a mated pair. They're mated, but they don't know that they're mated yet. No, they do. The second time. Oh, the second time. The second time, not the first time. Yeah, the second time. So this is before the Battle of Valaris. Because Nesta even points it out, too. She, she like, she saw the difference. The first, because I think in wings and ember she makes a comment of like they they clearly love each other they just don't know it yet and then but that was the first time because they still hadn't heard back from the queens right right the the second time they're like a mated bonded pair and they're just like so powerful and it's it's very clear and it's just lovely to see i'm thinking of that i'm thinking about how reese always loves to put Feyre in a in a tiara in a crown he puts her in a crown every time they have to like dress up for anything and he makes an offhanded comment like what well, she looks beautiful in crowns why wouldn't i have her in a crown it's just like yeah you're, you're subtly just another subtle kind of kind of uh, acknowledgement it's, it's lovely it's just very lovely so jess i'm looking at the notes at the end of this and it says that you would like for something to happen here what would, what would you like i would love to see Sarah J. Mass pull a Stephanie Myers and redo Akatar, like even just Akamath in Reese's point of view. I love seeing it in chapter 54 when he was talking. I love at the end of Akamath when he goes, my mate is in my enemy's hands. Even with the Reese point of views you see from Frost and Starlight, I think it would be so cool. I think it would be interesting, especially the insight that we have and flashbacks that he would probably have that obviously are going to be triggering, but you see it so much when he shares certain visions with Feyre, just like in Akawar when he's on the Armada and he thinks it's the King of Highburn, but it's just a virtual reality version of him. When he's sharing different thoughts and different bonds, I would gobble it up. I would buy more copies probably than what I already have of Akamath. Speaking on that, I would really like to see the ceremony of Pharaoh becoming High Lady through Reese's perspective. When it was the individual one, when they went out at midnight? Yeah, when they snuck out. I would love that. I would love that. I'd love to see that. Uh, I would also really like to see Reese's perspective when they have the confrontation in Highburn. 
And when he sees Cass go down, he sees the As go down, and he sees Nesta and Elaine get thrown into the cauldron because we're seeing it through Feyre's perspective. But I, I'd like to to kind of feel what Reese is feeling there. Mm-hmm. And I would also really like to know what he's thinking when Feyre is trying to get him to play along with the, the bond being broken when Hybern breaks the bond and she's like, play with me, play with me, like in her head, trying to get him to to play right. along in the situation. I would like to know what he's feeling in that moment. And even, even at the beginning of the book, when he comes to crash the wedding, he tells her, I had every intention of going out drinking with Cass and Az that night. Just that part leading up to hearing her cries of anybody just help her get out of that situation like lead that would be a great thing to see it, it would just you have like certain scenes that are coming out to me but also while this is happening over in spring court i would love to know what was happening in the night court and what was going through his head there is a toy with me th- there is a fan fiction about this but is it written well Apparently, apparently it is one of the gold stars of fan fiction. I don't know the name of it, but I'll include it in the show notes for this episode. I'll look it up, but it is Reese's perspective and it is supposed to be very good. Oh, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, a thick rabbit hole. I can feel it. (laughs) So, yeah, I will include that in the description for this episode in case anyone is interested. But I I do know that it's out there. I do know that it's good and well-written. And I do know that it is popular. So there is that. What's the other popular one? Akadad that Bethany Mass Trash writes? Uh, Akadad. No, it's... um, I think it's Akadad. Death. A court... Of course, the death and destruction, death and decay. I don't know. Death That's and destruction. <laughs> we will we will talk about that later. I'm so sorry that we are butchering your. I'm sorry, topic. Bethany. Bethany, we love you. We love you so much. But that that's a Silver Flames um, type. Yeah, that yeah. that's a Nessian. That fanfic. that that's a Nessian fanfiction. Uh, death and decay. That will also be in the show notes. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> Mass Trash. Uh, shout out to Bethany for her fan fiction. I know she's still releasing chapters, so. Yeah, it's not even finished. It's at chapter 40-something. Yeah, good good honor, good honor. Uh, those two things will be in the show notes. So I guess, Jess, wrapping up, what are, what are your... What are I, your... I, don't, I don't know how to wrap this up. I'm just going to I'm just gonna finish this episode with a huge smile on my face, clutching my Valaris pillow that Laura got me. As I said, I was like, this is all I want for my birthday. I never send you a, like, a list and this is all I want. <laughs> and I think I'm just going to go in bed as it snows outside. And let's see, uh, my final thoughts. What can I possibly say? Um, I finally have a friend to talk about this with. I finally have a community to talk about this with. And it was wonderful to, you know, kind of get on book talk and get on Instagram and, and find people that love this thing the way that I love it and also to find people that love it in a different way than I love it because there is nothing wrong with looking at all the different kind of perspectives and angles of something that you love and it gives you a really great perspective on things. So Reese is, in my opinion, the perfect book boyfriend. That being said, I do prefer Azriel. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, In this story, 
Akamaf is, as just you said, the ultimate love story. It is the be all end all, in my opinion. And I do remember telling you that you do not have to read Akawar. How am I just going to finish Akamaf and not even want to go on to Akawar? I mean, it is, like I said, it's the love story of all time. And you know what? I think you bring up a good point. It's so great for social media right now because there's so many different platforms. There's so many different people bringing different perspectives. And it's also challenging us to, you know, where our perspectives might have been at one point when I started reading the book in August to where we are now and understanding different fan theories and it's just really exciting. And we've definitely mentioned this before that we're not typically people who can casually like something. It's all in. And to see other people that are just as obsessed and have the same love and adoration in whatever way, no matter who the character is, I'm here for it. I want to support it. You might have a different take on it, but it's so exciting that it's like, at least somebody's talking about it. And this is must be what Laura had felt like. I've been going through this solo for so long. You know, everybody wants to talk about it. It is a wonderful thing. And not only does everyone want to talk about it, but, you know, Etsy has really been a lifesaver because Etsy gives you, as long as you know what you're searching for, God bless Etsy, but you have to know what you're looking for. It is there to service the fans. So if you want something Akatar, you can find it. If you want something Akamath, you know, specifically Akamath, you put that in and you can find it. So you can find the merchandise. And then you can customize it too. Right. So even just like a perfect example was what you had ordered me. And usually with certain orders, you can just, you know, it's just here's a page of a book. We're going to and then we'll do something with it. But you can say, no, like this is the specific part of the book that I need. You're not going to find that in other business you're going to find it on etsy you're going to find it in small shops people are going to accommodate to you because that's that's the word of mouth of everything and to be so specific you know you're going to only find again general things from big corporations but those little nuanced things even um, i'm thinking specifically chasing chapters started adding different quotes from the cruel prince and i'm just so excited about going down that rabbit hole because we're so great uh, all of Cardin's letters and I know we're not talking about the cruel prince right now but honestly with everything canceled this year of 2020 concerts are canceled cons are canceled I can't fucking travel all my money it's not like oh Jessica are you saving no bitch my money's going to these small shops on Etsy <laughs> I will say that whenever I move and I get I get to a place where I can have candles you know, without having a landlord on my ass about it, I'm going to have all the candles that represent all the characters. I'll have oh, my They look candle. so pretty. Have you seen them on Instagram? Yes. Just, oh, <laughs> they look so pretty. So and everyone with these bookshelves. My current room, my second bedroom is a walk-in closet. And I'm, I don't even know where I'm going to put a bookshelf. I just have to keep doing the ebook thing. Unless it's Sarah J. Mass, because apparently I don't know how to buy one copy. There's nothing wrong with that. We we love to support the things that we love, and it's important. It, what it's what binds us together as a community. Just supporting small business, supporting the author, and just spreading, you know, the love of the genre. Because you know, welcoming new people into the community is what keeps it fresh. And yeah. if Jess had not 
taken a leap of faith, then we would not have been, you know, we wouldn't be here. So it, it is something wonderful to be a part of. And we are very grateful just, just for everything. We're all, we're all sitting in gratitude. I know we're releasing this episode in 2021, but we're recording in December 2020. And this has honestly been the highlight, even just interacting with different people on Bookstagram and Book Talk. It's been such like a, it's been such a fun ride between sharing things with each other. It's, and it's not too much. And if it is too much, Laura's not telling me, but. <laughs> But I can never get enough of it. I never want people to be like, oh, I feel bad. I'm just spamming you. Spam me away, please. I need this. I If this was a drug, I would be on my ass because I just inject it so much. And I, I think it's important to note that Jess has started Throne of Glass. I finished the first book. First book, Throne of Glass. I'm on to Crown of Midnight right now. She's making her way through it. So when she's talking about spamming, she's talking about just like bombarding me with stuff. And of course, I love that. I live for that. It brings me so much joy and pleasure. So <laughs> all I think, like me specifically, I get it before the episodes go out. But we have so much to look forward to <laughs> together. Jess and I and all of you who are listening. So let's, you know, give a big shout out to all of you. Thank (laughs) thank you for everything that you do. And we look forward to you tuning in next week. Please find us on Instagram at Acafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E. We're pretty interactive on there. We do different calendar updates of what episodes were going to be released, snippets from the podcast. We just really want to engage with everybody and kind of really grow the community and be a part, you know, be as welcoming to you as you have been to us. It's been such a fun, wild ride so far. And we look forward to uh, having a new episode next week. So make sure to hit us up in comments if you want to see or hear anything specific from us. You know, we are for you as much as you are for us. So let us know. Join us later. Bye.